around, only to gasp in terror as you realize it came from the Midwest. Hello, and thank you for adjusting your car's radio to the It Came From The Midwest, a horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. And Erin. So go ahead and park, turn that volume up, because we are watching Stage Fright 2014. Erin, how's your week been going? Pretty good. We had a party on Saturday with just a couple, you know, friends, everyone vaccinated, and it was a good time. It was pretty great. I mean, not much more to say than that. It's been a, whoo, man, busy, 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 busy week. I started school. Yeah, for me. Yeah. School started and I'm trying to get into a habit of how to work with the the kids. So I'm changing lesson plans. I'm reworking PowerPoints. So on average, my day has been like, get up at five in the morning, leave here, be at work by a little before seven, be at work all day, get in my car, drive back, and then immediately sit down and work on lesson plans and PowerPoints and activities and stuff until about 10 o'clock at night and do the same thing over again every single day. And I've got sub plans I got to do as well. Well, I hope that we can get ahead. Like, I hope you can get ahead of it. You know what I mean? And hopefully then you'll your stress will be reduced. Before we jump into this episode, let's take a break and talk about what we're excited for in coming attractions. Coming soon to a drive-in near you. Welcome back to Coming Attractions, where we talk about what we are looking forward to in the future. Erin, what are you looking forward to? Well, I feel like I've said this a lot already, so I'll leave Halloween Horror Nights in the back. <laughs> um, We just finished Haunting of Hill House, and I'm excited to see The Haunting of Bly Manor and how it differs, and if I'm as attached to the story as I was with this one, because this one had me crying at the end. <laughs> Haunting of Hill House is one of the scariest, saddest things <laughs> I've ever seen. It's so good, though. Oh, it's great. I'm sure that we've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's coming out here in a few weeks. I've got to go with James Wan's Malignant coming out here. Looks to be a fun ride. It looks really of, cool. Yeah, same kind of vibe as his older stuff. I'm just happy that we have another James Wan horror movie coming <laughs> out after him. Like, I like Aquaman, but it's nice to see him come back to his field and be like, hey, I got something new to throw at you. Right. And also, by that point, our Alamo Draft House will be open back Yay! up, so we can go watch Malignant there. Woo-hoo! So, whoop, whoop. Yep, ready for that. But that's what we are excited for in the coming weeks slash months slash Years. year, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what point we're going to pick up on Bly Manor, but hopefully soon, but life, you know? Yeah, there's just tons of good stuff to watch, and you just have to kind of decide what to watch first. And we get like five things a day thrown at us to watch. It's true. Like, we need to watch Servant, and we need to watch... The The the, Exorcist. The Exorcist. There's a new Child's Play series coming out. The TV show coming out in October. Oh, man. (laughs) Lots (laughs) of stuff, which I mean, we shouldn't complain, but man, lots of stuff to watch. Right. But this week on the podcast, the theme was Summer Camp. And as always, I let Aaron choose the movie. Aaron, what movie did you choose this week? Stage Fright. Stage Fright. This movie's a little bit different than your average summer camp horror movie because it is a musical. Which makes it better. Does it? Yeah. You you totally posed this to me as a like, 
I don't know if it's good, but this movie, okay, this movie, spoiler alert, I'm a musical fan. This movie gets a 10 out of 10. I know that's early, but I'll, I'll even restate it later at bottom of the box. So be prepared for this podcast. I'm going to gush. <laughs> uh, be prepared for this podcast because we're going to have wildly different opinions on this movie. <laughs> but that, that to be said, what is your history with horror musicals? Well, I didn't think they were really a thing, I guess. I mean, I knew of more recently, is it like Anna and the... Apocalypse. And the apocalypse, but it doesn't yeah. even have to be film. You can talk about like stage productions too. Oh, that's true. Okay, well then, I mean, I choreographed a community version of Evil Dead that Andrew directed. I sure did. And <laughs> he directed a high school version as well uh, at the high school that he student. Well, I he sure didn't... did. I didn't student teach. <laughs> no, he didn't student teach there, but he he was an alum there. I'm trying to think. There are lots of other horror like. Wow, the one I can't believe you ever mentioned yet. What Sweeney Todd. I mean that too, but the, <laughs> the other one. What? Little Shop of Horrors? Yep, there you go. Okay, yeah, we met doing Little Shop of Horrors, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. That's wow. actually my that's actually my favorite musical. But I guess in movie form is what I was saying. Like, I'm not very acquainted with a ton of horror movie musicals, I guess. I mean, there's a few, not a whole bunch that jump out the top of my head. Definitely Anna and the Apocalypse, like you were mentioning Sweeney earlier. Todd. Sweeney Todd. I mean, by little, way that it started off as a right little play. shop yeah. i mean or little shop started off as a broadway musical well it started off as a movie that became a broadway musical that again became a movie so there <laughs> we go it's all full circle and then you have weird little things like i'm a huge fan of todd in the book of pure evil which kind of ties yeah. into this movie yeah. a little bit too and they have a horror musical episode that's fucking great I think I actually saw that one. I don't think I don't know. I don't remember. Really? Got to that well, point. we've kind of watched. Well, Todd, I've shown you bits um, and pieces of it. I love Todd in the Book of it, Pure It's Evil. good. I really like the the concept that each one is like someone wishing for something and it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was some other like horror TV show that did like a horror musical episode. I get mean Buffy, but I wasn't big into Buffy. <laughs> did you watch Buffy? Yeah, I watched Buffy and Charmed. <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't they have, all the time? Well, not Charmed. Maybe Charmed did too. But did Buffy have a musical episode? Oh boy, you're having me dip back into my. Oh, oh my god, Re- Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh Jesus, oh my god, I lo- ah, I love Repo the Genetic Opera. It's so good. But where does you already kind of spoiled it? Where does this movie like stand? Does it stand shoulder to shoulder with those movies? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it kind of equal? I don't know. What do you think? It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. That um, really defines well, okay, it. here's the thing. I don't know if it would if I would put it up against like Repo or oh my god, Rocky Horror Picture Show or Phantom. Um, or Phantom. <gasps> Phantom of the Paradise. Phantom of the Paradise. Um, Phantom, Phantom of the of Megaplex. The <laughs> No, it's weird. I don't think I would put them up against that because as much as those are also musicals, I would consider them to take themselves very seriously. Mm -hmm. I felt that this was more of a horror comedy musical because it's definitely not taking itself very seriously. There are some things that are definitely not PC in this movie, but yeah. So, but it was funny. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Like when you presented it, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, it's going to be one of those like C movies. But I, I thought it was a solid A minus. <laughs> mm, mm. You can't see the look I'm giving her right now, but we're going to have wildly different opinions of this movie. Come at me. <laughs> so let's jump right into it. This is Stage Fright 2014. And now, on with the show. All of life's a song to sing. 
2014, directed by Jerome Sable, written by Jerome Sable, and because this is a musical, I've got to point it out, music and lyrics by Eli Battalion. So, it's that part of the show. Give us that synopsis. So, the show starts out with a woman on stage cradling a man who is dying, and then there is a masked figure up on this balcony, and she looks at him. And, you know, then the show's over, I guess. (laughs) And she's really talented. And she goes into her dressing room and this masked figure um, who she seems to know and is having an affair with, it seems, I don't know. She's really into him, like, you know, wrapping his arms around her and looking like he's about to choke her. So that must be her thing. No shame. But then he slits her throat. And when when I say, like, this shocked me, It shocked me, but I'll tell you about that later. Okay, skip to 10 years later. The little girl who was the daughter of the woman who died now is the cook at a musical theater camp where all the people jump off the bus and they're like, oh my God, we can be who we want to be now. And then they're like, well, I'm gay, but not in that way. And that's where I was like, oop, this is definitely like not PC, but okay. And then she's like, I'm not part of the musical camp. And the brother's like, these guys are nerds. You would not be a part of them. And she's like, oh, whatever. And she finds out that they're doing the same musical that her mother died at, which I don't know why that would be. The Haunting of the Opera. The Haunting of the Opera. I don't know why she'd be like, oh my God, my mom died doing that. I feel obligated to do that. But anyway, and then he was like, let's do it Kabuki style though. And I was like, oh yes, okay, so this movie is a comedy. So they're doing the Kabuki style. She auditions even though she's not supposed to because the guy who is signing people up is like, you know, I'll get you in because, and she's like, I owe you one. And so she auditions, 
and her dad comes in and is like, you're not supposed to do this. And she's like, but mom will be really proud of me. And so she gets the part. But the guy who's the director who fucking wears a fedora, it's so, ugh, it just makes me so angry. Like, no, no shame to fedora users, but like, this guy just looks like a douchebag. Anyway, he is, and he he has like an understudy for the main the main girl, and so he like manipulates both of them into like getting their part, if that makes sense. Like they have to have sex with him or like kiss him or make him feel good. And the other guy doesn't like it. And then oh man, I'm drawing a blank between what happens between the show going wrong and <laughs> you finding out who the killer is. It must not have been that important. Anyway <laughs> Anyway, you know, in the end, she becomes a big star, and she's doing the haunting of the opera. Opera. I was gonna say the haunting of the megaplex. <laughs> the haunting of the opera on Broadway, and there's a killer. So <laughs> this movie was Alrighty. so good. <laughs> Stage fright, 2014, tells the story of Camilla Swanson, who, after the death of her mother ten years prior decides to audition for the very same musical that her mother died in. As the production begins at a summer camp for musical teens, a killer goes about taking them out one killer note at a time. That's true, I did forget. He sings in metal. It's so cool. Yeah, everybody sings in this movie. Dude, it's so cool. I still liked my synopsis better. I do feel bad about not mentioning the killer being like, oh, <laughs> It's my favorite part. But that's our plot synopsis for the movie. Let's talk about our history with this movie with some tasty refreshers. Hungry? Thirsty? The snack bar is open. Visit your theater stand to satisfy your cravings. Stop in for one of our signature tasty refreshers to satisfy your thirst. A simple sip will take you on a memory trip, so drink up a Tasty Refresher. Welcome back to Tasty Refreshers, where we talk about our past with this movie. Aaron, what is your relationship to Stage Fright? Have you heard of it before? No, but when you told me about it, I was like, that sounds like the movie for me. <laughs> Why, just simply because it was a musical set during the That's summer right. camp? That's right. Everything I love in life, all in one place. I remember when this first came out, into, I mean, obviously around 2014, there was a point, I think Todd and the Book of Pure Evil came out about this time too. And if you know anything about me, I love musicals. I, I was originally going to college for theater. I love musicals. So when someone said, hey, horror movie musical is coming out, I'm like, Fuck yeah, give it to me. So here comes the movie. I know it has a very short run in the theater. It plays in a couple tiny little theaters. And then eventually it gets dropped on home video where I pick it up and watch it for the first time. And man, I don't want to hold anything against this movie, but what this movie, what I wanted this movie to be versus what it is just disappointed me in a big, bad way. <laughs> a lot of things in this movie that do not work for me. And I kind of remembered it when Aaron decided to watch this. And I'm like, I can't remember if that movie is that great. And by like 15 minutes into the movie, I was like, oh, oh yeah. I remember everything wrong with this movie. And here we are. Okay, yes, there are things. By things wrong, do you mean like, you know, every guy in this movie is fucking scum except for like, 
one. No, I mean like everything. Like the music is not great. The killer is not great. The characters are not great. The plot of the movie is not great. Meatloaf is struggling as hard as he fucking can in this movie. It's a train wreck of a movie. Well, then I guess I won't choreograph a dance from this movie for our wedding. Oh, well, thank goodness. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Is there even a dance? Okay. Yes. Later. (laughs) Yes, there is. The dances in this movie are like, (laughs) what the fuck? They definitely look like, I don't know what the shooting schedule for this movie was, but all the choreography in this movie looks like, hey guys, we gotta film the scene in two hours, time to choreograph it. (laughs) And it's like, step to the left and step to the right. Clap, shimmy. Clap, shimmy. It wasn't high school musical, okay? Step to the right. Clap, shimmy. Clap, shimmy shimmy and that's like the most they get into like dance numbers in this movie well maybe they're not dancers okay like there can only be obviously they're not (laughs) there can only be a few dancers okay but let's talk about our cast of characters here in some character combos a trip to the snack bar wouldn't be complete without a bit of everything let our loyal cast and characters introduce themselves and save you a buck on a character combo this is Character Combos. We break down the cast of the film Stage Fright. We've got Minnie Driver as Kylie Swanson. We've got Meatloaf as Roger McCall. We've got Allie McDonald as Camilla Swanson. We've got Douglas Smith as Buddy Swanson. And Kent Nolan as Joel Hopton. Who's your favorite character in Stage Fright? I don't know. I guess I have to say Camilla just because like, I wrote down in like all caps. She is gorgeous. She looks like a living doll. Like, it it weirds me out, but at the same time, I'm like, why are her eyes like that? In the good way. Like, I'm like, whoa. You know, though, I guess I might have to also say the guy that helps her out, like, getting the part or whatever. The one who's up on the light stand. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're I think it's Joel. I think that's who it is, but I I love his voice. I... God, I wish that would have gone somewhere. I will give them one thing for this movie because the budget is so low. All of the singing for this movie is done live on set. Oh my God. Like, talking like Les Miserables. Seriously. Level. Yeah, everything is sung live on set. Okay, you know what? That makes more sense, particularly for Camilla, because I thought there were times where she sound very, not bad, but like breathy in the sense of like, that doesn't sound like mm-hmm. edited. So, I mean, it is, but it isn't. You know what I mean? I also kind of have to wonder for this movie with Meatloaf being in it, if he had to have some contractual obligation or something like, I can only sing this many times or you have to pay me more. Oh, I feel like Meatloaf feels like he's overused but underused for this movie. It's weird. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Go ahead. Ask me who my favorite character is. Who's your favorite character? None of them. I hate them all. Oh, dude, that's... That's so shameful. I can tell you the one I hate the most. Who? And it's the biggest problem that I have with this movie. Is it the brother? Well, sort of. I hate the killer in this movie. I hate the metal killer in this movie. I despise him. Oh my god. I mean, I hate the puns. That's what it is. (laughs) Like, the design of the killer is so kind of neat with the kabuki makeup and the kabuki outfit that that was one of the draws for the movie for me. Like, oh, that's a cool looking killer. They're doing like a kabuki killer for a stage Mm -hmm. musical. And the second he starts going around doing the like, yeah! I love it. And like all the (laughs) stupid ass puns and like headbangers ball type shit. I'm like, and I'm a big fan of heavy metal. It drove me nuts. Like, it starts off where I'm like, okay, it's he's the, the intro to the villain is kind of cool where he's behind the screen 
and he's got those little like blades that he pulls out. I don't know what they are. I think they're supposed to be like pizza pans. Oh, they, they look like cut... saw blades. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at them closer, there's like the holes in the divots. Oh. Hand. I'm thinking because spoiler alert for the killer, I guess they look like pizza pans that he's cut to be like buzz saws and then stuck his fingers through or something, which makes yeah. sense for what the character is. I don't know if that's for sure what they are, but his intro is really cool. But then from then on out, it plays off like a really, really bad spoof of like a Freddy Krueger type villain. It's not good. I think what sucks most about that. So I, I mean, I liked him. I hated the puns. The puns made me cringe so hard, but I think they could have had a serious killer and still had a horror comedy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that he could have still been serious. Because I love the kills in this movie. Which we'll talk to you. I just love how much blood there is. Like, there's so much blood in this movie. No, I'm not saying that there's, like, I hate every aspect of this movie. Like, when I say I don't have a favorite character necessarily, I like Meatloaf in the movie because it's fucking Meatloaf. I like Camilla's character just because, like, okay, she, she's got, like, a good voice. But she's just not an interesting character to me. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else beyond that. Like, the fucking... I mean, you know he's supposed to be, but, like, the director of the show comes off like a douche nozzle. Like, everybody comes off as, as, like, a weird character. It just doesn't work for me. It falls flat. Actually, no. I do have a favorite character in this movie. I completely forgot about them. There's a sequence in this movie where the kids are all standing outside of, like... Oh, my the, God. The mess I hall. I fucking know what you're talking about. Yeah, they're about. all standing outside the mess hall trying <laughs> to figure out what's going on. It's after the director's been killed. And they're like, what happened? And he's scanning all of the kids to figure out what's going on or how to tell them that this kid has died and they might have to shut the camp down. And as it's panning through the crowd, there's one kid that's sticking out in the middle that has the most pissed off face I've ever seen in a child. And I'm like, there you go. That kid is my favorite character in this goddamn movie. We should meme it for one of our posts. Let's, it might, yeah. Fuck that. It might be the cover for this episode. <laughs> if I can find a snapshot of that kid in the crowd, it's going up. If you can play it on the computer, we can just screenshot it. I mean, very easily. Very yeah. Easily. I could like, screenshot it anywhere. What are you talking about? Okay, sorry. I was just trying to be technical. Wow. And then Mini Driver. I forget that Mini Driver is in this movie as well throughout the entire runtime of the movie. By the time you get to the credits, I'm like, oh yeah, Mini Driver was in this movie. I don't know how they got her in this movie, but she's here. She was the, uh... The, the mom. Yeah, she has a good voice. But, and it's... I don't know how Meatloaf got in this movie either. I tried <laughs> finding that out and I can't find out anywhere. But I also have to guess nobody's clamoring for Meatloaf too much anymore. Which, well, it's whatever. But you know what I mean. I mean, I think it is funny that he ended up, and I would consider like two horror comedy musicals. Like musicals? Yeah. Trey's probably actually done more than that, but it's not popping up in my head right now. Like, I mean, if he's done like a guest spot or... I wouldn't be surprised if he popped up on Glee or something. You want to know what my favorite voice in a movie, in a horror movie musical is? Bill Mosley's <laughs> in that Mark It Up song from Repo, Repo, the Genetic we're Opera. We're not talking about Repo. We're talking I about know, Stage Fright. I'm sorry, but I, we're just talking about, you know, quote, actors and famous people in musicals. And Do you have a favorite anyway. song in this movie since we're talking about a movie that's a musical? Hmm... I don't know. Like, I I mean, I kind of liked the first one just because it, like, solidified what this movie was going to be. <laughs> so I was like, yep, this is definitely going to be a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was some character combos. So let's jump into the next segment with some killer slices. Hot, fresh, and deadly delicious. Our snack bar supplies the best slices and dices of pizza with a secret sauce that allows a special effect. A mouth-watering pizza with a killer slice. 
Welcome back to Killer Slices as we talk about the makeup effects for Stage Fright 2014. If you haven't noticed, I have to, every time I say the title of this movie, I have to say 2014 because in the 80s, there was a Stage Fright horror movie that came out that was about a play production. It wasn't a musical. I'll show you what the killer looks like later. It's pretty disturbing. It's this dude with this big, like, owl head. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking creepy. But have to try to differentiate this movie from that one because that movie deserves more love. This wow. one doesn't. <laughs> wow. I'm, I mean, I'm shit on this movie, but I'm, I'm joking, but I'm also not joking. I don't know. I had a rough time with this movie. I think, like, everyone has, like, their thing that they like, right? Mm -hmm. Because you probably have some, like, C, D movies that I don't like. But I, yeah, I'm not a fan. Like, I think <laughs> that movie is awful. Like, I respect the art and I respect him for making Silent it. Silent Night, Deadly Night. But I, no, not good. It's awesome. <laughs> no, okay, see, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, I love this movie. I think this movie is awesome. I don't think it's perfect, but I would definitely watch this movie over and over again and be fine. Mm. But anyway, I love the kills in this movie. Like, a ton. <laughs> see, here's the thing about that, too. I can remember one kill in this movie, and everything else, I'm struggling to remember what they fucking were. Like, the only one I remember is, like, the first one, I think. Or not not the first one, because the first one would be the mom getting killed. The first one I'm talking about at the camp, where the light falls down and pales the director, and the killer comes up and pushes him so his foot, like, breaks in half. Yeah, yeah. Which, did you notice that his foot is impaled, he gets pushed down so his foot breaks in half, but the next shot of him scrambling away from him, his foot is absolutely fine. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, a little, like, Ooh. makeup goof or editing goof in there, I guess. And then the, the entire thing of, like, putting his mouth over the light bulb <laughs> started off like, uh, I don't think that would do what you did. But when he breaks the light bulb in his mouth, I'm like, okay, now I get it. That looked cool, though, afterwards, like, where his face was, like, burned. Where yeah, the... they spent all of their money on that one kill. Wow. No, I liked the... It looked like the makeup girl or whatever was doing like a Hellraiser situation. And I know that he must have slammed her face into it mm -hmm. because, you know, she had pins. They're like piggybacking off of that. This movie has a whole bunch of like homages and nods to old school like 80s slasher movies. Just by the sheer fact that it's set in a summer camp. There's that, there's the Hellraiser thing, there's a lot of like Freddy Krueger stuff in there with like the puns. I can't remember what else got pointed out at the top of my head, but the movie's full of a whole bunch of puns for like old 80s slasher horror movies. That's really cool. I'm trying to think, the guy who was playing the killer in the show, he went back and I can't remember what happened to him. Did he just get stabbed? The killer? Yeah, he gets stabbed like multiple times. No, no, no. I'm talking about the guy who was, quote, playing him in the play. He was going back for a costume change and then he saw the makeup artist in the Oh, yeah. The, I'm, I'm gay, I'm gay, but not yeah. in that way, kid. I yeah. can't remember his name. I think, yeah, he just gets his throat slit. I okay. think that's what it is. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I thought you were talking about the death of the killer in the movie. Yeah, he gets stabbed multiple times. Can we just talk about how this movie... <laughs> It's not that I forgot that this movie was a slasher. Oh, yeah, that it's a butcher knife throughout the entire movie every once in a while. That's it. That's an homage to Halloween. Oh, and so, like, we were watching this movie and I was like, man, you know, I've seen the killer, quote, quote, but he hasn't really done anything. Wait until the last, like, 20 minutes of this movie and I swear to God, 
everyone who's in this play, as long as they're backstage, they're fucking free game. Because mm-hmm. she kills someone in there. But you see, that's another problem with this movie. They designed this killer for this movie and you lose him by like, I don't know, with 10 minutes left in the movie. And then you get a new killer chasing after our main character. That is a much less interesting villain. Are you talking about who the killer is? Or are you talking about... Just, oh, just the entire thing. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. We'll get into bottom of the box, but like I'm that's another big problem I have with this movie is how you basically it'd be like, hey, we're watching Friday the thirteenth and all of a sudden Jason gets killed and Tommy is all mm. of a sudden the killer in the last ten minutes, which is kind of part <laughs> five, but you know, that's well, neither here nor there. I think you're right, because looking back, I remember like this movie could have been a commentary, I feel like, if it would have yeah, not been. Yeah, but even I don't think it. it needed to be a commentary either. Just no, as long but- as it was something, I guess, and now No, but what I'm saying is because the killer wasn't there, I didn't necessarily miss him until he came about again. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you know, now it's a threat. But I could have watched this movie without a killer. And I think I still would have liked it, weirdly enough. It's also all the weird, like the haunting of the opera, because they're obviously trying to be like a, I don't know, I don't want to say spoof, like an homage to Phantom of the Opera. uh And that's just another weird thing about the movie that I'm like, why couldn't you have done your own little musical thing you know what i'm saying i guess yeah i guess because when you look at like phantom of the paradise or whatever they are actually like phantom of the paradise it's a great movie it is but they're actually doing like a phantom of the opera but like a rendition Mm -hmm. i guess but that works because i mean they're absolutely just doing their own interpretation of phantom of the opera the haunting of the opera has like very little to do with i mean it's that's definitely what they're doing is phantom of the opera but the plot of the movie does not revolve around it it's not like what we see for Phantom of the Opera or the Kabuki killer or the metal killer in this movie is trying to make sure Camilla succeeds. No, he's just killing everybody indiscriminately just because they're doing the show. Yeah, that's true. There's like no motive. Other than they're doing the show. But, right. But it, there's just like, it's inconsequential that they're doing like a spoof of Phantom of the Opera other than the fact that, oh, Phantom of the Opera is a big famous musical. We're doing a horror musical. Let's do like an homage to Phantom of the Opera. I know that's me nitpicking, but there's a lot of stuff in this movie I don't know. I have to wrestle with myself going like, I wish instead of letting the movie be what it is, I guess for me, there's just a lot of like what the movie is that I wanted it to be falls so short of what it could have been. I I feel almost like I'm cheated out of the movie, if that makes sense. Oh man, that's the way I felt after watching old. I was never more disappointed in a movie. That's all I'm going to say. I I had such high hopes and I was so broken. This podcast has turned into meandering paths, the podcast. (laughs) But I forgot about the first kill, actually. The very first kill. That shocked me. Um, Where you, like, shoved the knife through her throat. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't hardly even remember that. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I remember it because, you know, it leads into Freshly Pop Scares. I think that one scared me the most. You said Freshly Pop Scares, so let's get into it. Calm your nerves with our famous popcorn. Served oh so buttery and oh so salty, a combination so delectable, it's scary. That's why it's known as our Freshly Popped Scares. Welcome back to Freshly Popped Scares, where we talk about the scares of this movie. If there are any, I suppose. The first, the first kill, okay? Like, because here's the thing. He killed her, which was great, okay? But then he, like, shoved the knife through her throat, and I was like, okay, that's that's overkill. Mm-hmm. And it kind of freaked me out because I don't think I've ever really seen that because I think he slit her throat and then shoved it through her throat. And I was like, okay, I should have, I guess, like 
thought, oh, there's some sort of vengeance or something here because there was, but I didn't. I wish I would have, though, because I feel like it would have made more sense. But I like it. Like, I, I like that kill a lot. And it scared me because I didn't realize that was happening. I don't know. I didn't have anything in this movie I was scared by. Even, like, the ending of the movie where we have our atypical, oh, the killer's back, or is he kind of thing. They're definitely doing like an homage to like Friday the 13th or something where like the killer jumps back at one time for one last scare. But it's so ham-fisted at the end of the movie that the second they cut to like the sequence that that's going to happen, you already know, oh, that's what we're going to have happen here. And it just really has no bearing on the rest of the movie. Not that any like last minute jump scare has a lot of bearing on any movie, but this one just seems so out of place that I'm like, I don't understand what this is other than just an homage to what they did in 80 slashers it doesn't work for me i think what i wouldn't say scared me but made me cringe was the director and how he acted like i was so hoping camilla before all of it would just be like no i'm not gonna do this because you're scum and i'm not gonna do that but she totally like bent to him to a point but still i just i was like oh god i hate that yeah, it's a thing in this movie you talked about, like, a commentary. I mean, they're not trying to, like, hide anything, talking about, like, how dirty the entertainment industry can be. Because the director you're talking about is, like, playing both sides, going, like, either you do the thing I want you to do, or this girl will be the lead, and he's playing both of them. Yeah. Oh, that's another... Carrie, they're gonna drop a bucket of paint on her on oh, stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of horror movie references in this movie, but... I don't know. I just didn't have anything in this movie that, that I thought was remotely scary. And maybe that goes into the thing again. I would love to see like a horror movie musical that actually is scary too. The closest thing we have is maybe what? Sweeney Todd? Maybe? Maybe. Maybe Repo, I guess. But mm -hmm. I think when this movie was originally coming out, the way it looked like was, if you look at the movie poster, and again, this is maybe, this is a weird kind of podcast for me to complain about this movie the poster for the movie makes it kind of look like suspiria in a way and oh, like i want i want that where the poster is like an old school painting like the like painting poster where it's the girl's face and the knife is behind her mm -hmm. head and it goes like make sure you scream that high note or something is the t is the <laughs> subtitle where i'm like that's clever and it just i don't know i have a hard time like differentiating the movie that we got versus the movie that i wanted right but that was some freshly popped scares. This movie is different because there's not a whole lot of information on it. But let's go to intermission here and we'll talk a little bit about Kabuki. Attention all thrill seekers and horror show addicts. We interrupt your program for an intermission. Welcome back to Intermission, where we're going to talk about Kabuki Theater very loosely because Kabuki Theater is fascinating. It's got a long, long, long history. It's really cool. Like I, I did like a, like a, I don't want to say master's thesis. When I was in school, I did a big report over Kabuki Theater and had to write like a long oh, paper cool. over it and such. It's, it's really, really cool. The word Kabuki, they're not sure where the name comes from. It's either two ways they think it came from. Like the characters that make up the word kabuki stand for sing, dance, skill. Mm -hmm. So they think it means like the skill or the art of dance and music. Oh, cool. Or the other thing is they have a word in Japan that is kabu. I think it's kabuku. Kabuku. That means be out of ordinary or strange. Oh. And that's what the play productions are. They're really cool. Kabuki theater, they have quintessential characters are in it, so the makeup, like whenever someone comes to see a show, 
the second that character pops on stage, they're like, that's the main character, just based on their makeup. Mm-hmm. Or, like, that's the, like, lead villain. This is who this is in this movie. Kabuki Theater, when it starts off, it's probably the first time we see in some, like, age-old theaters that they develop skills for the stage in terms of, like, scene changes and wagons. And there's schematics for an old theater where it was just everything was gears and stuff that people were just pushing and moving around to move the set where they could have like a crew underneath the stage and move some boards so that the steps would appear for the characters to walk down or that they turn it the other way so it turned into a slope and that was all man-made stuff Mm -hmm. so it's really really neat like in 2005 unesco labeled kabuki as an intangible heritage of universal value for the entire planet just by how unique it is to japan's culture it's something immediately when you see it you're like oh that's japanese that's something that's very specific to their culture there's also a trend of kabuki theater that we watched a little bit of it the other night. It's known as super kabuki, <laughs> where they're essentially taking pop culture things and translating them into kabuki theater. There's some people in Japan that are very upset with super kabuki theater because they feel that it lessens the value I of kabuki. I can see that. But they do stuff like they do Star Wars kabuki. Or a lot of the last couple of years, they do anime as Kabuki. They have, like they have Naruto. They have like One Piece as Kabuki theater. But Kabuki's really, really cool. I mean, you have the makeup that's in there, like Kumadori, I believe, is what it is. It's either Kumadori or Kumi or Kumadoro or something like that. I, I I'm not familiar with how the word is off the top of my head. But that describes how the makeup they have, where it's the white makeup mm. and this big extreme mm-hmm. movement on it. Like, every movement they have is that weird kind of, like, snap and dance thing. Like, a lot of their dances look very kind of weird. But if you were to stand in the poses they do where it's, like, the weird, like, I'm going to jump on, like, my tippy toes for, like, five minutes and swing a sword. It takes a lot of skill. Oh, I'm and, sure. Like, physicality to perform these. That's super neat. But, yeah, Kabuki's really, really, really cool. Like, if I wanted to start a podcast just talking about theater stuff, I could talk <laughs> for hours on Kabuki. It's really, really neat. But as far as that goes, I mean... There's not a lot of things about, about this movie, which maybe hint for how this movie did at like the box office or how it performed later on. But I don't know. There's just not a whole lot on this movie. Like I tried to find more. This is like the only movie this director has done. Some of the actors have popped up in other places. I mean, who knows whatever happened to that man named Meatloaf. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even heard of him before this. But, I mean, like I said before, the, the entire cast saying live on set, and that's pretty unique for a movie. I think that's cool. It's neat. It's predominantly for this movie. It was a means to, like, keep the budget down. Yeah, rather no, than, that's Let's fair. bring everybody into the studio and record and then do, like, the usual But then you needed musical. to have good singers. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. they couldn't have people No, no, I'm not, sing. like, shitting on anybody singing. I'm not shitting on the acting abilities on anybody. I'm just shitting on the characters, because... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh. Okay, but they're no, like... Kelly and, uh, you know, Fish, Parks, and Rag Boy. <laughs> At least I feel like there was more relationships in here than Dirt. Oh, you're talking about Lake Placid. That's I thought all you were I'm literally saying. talking about Parks and Rec. And I'm oh, like, what the no, f- there's what lots of relationships about? in Parks and Rec. <laughs> well, that was Intermission, where we broke down a couple little facts about Kabuki. Let's go back into Stage Fright with Bottom of the Box. Don't forget to end your trip to the snack bar with your choice of a sugary, soury, or chocolatey candy treat. You want to end your trip to the drive-in right by treating yourself to some candy and ending at the bottom of the box. Welcome back to Bottom of the Box, where we're going on our closing thoughts for Stage Fright. 
my thoughts have been spilled out throughout the entire <laughs> podcast. But let's talk about the end of this movie. At the end of the movie, they finally come to the opening night of The Haunting of the Opera. I think he's called the Metal Killer. Is going around slashing up people, killing them left and right. Until it's revealed that the killer is bum, 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 Camilla's brother, Buddy. And the reason he's doing this is that Roger, played by Meatloaf, killed their mother. And he's not their father. He's not their, their father either. Yeah. So in a fit of rage of trying to get away, Meatloaf, who's Roger, kills Buddy. And then he becomes the killer for the movie for like the last 10 minutes. We get a sequence that he's chasing after Camilla and she grabs a, like, not a table saw. She grabs a handsaw and puts it to his chest. And he's like, do it, do it. You can't do it. And she tries, but the cord's unplugged. But then the boyfriend, who hasn't been in the movie for, like, 45 minutes. Is it her boyfriend? boyfriend? I don't I know. It's say. like a love interest, I guess. Okay, that was. Um, Whatever. Uh, but Yeah, continue. I'll, tell you, I'll say something But afterwards. he pops up and he plugs in the handsaw and she's able to cut apart meatloaf where she pops up on stage covered in blood. Then we get the end of the movie where it's on Broadway. They're opening the haunting of the opera. She's playing the lead. She's in her dressing room, checking out the mirror. The mirror smashes. The metal killer comes out after her. And then we reveal it's a dream, I guess. (laughs) And then we get the credits. And that's Stage Fright 2014. I wish there was more between her and that really nice guy because I liked. Here's the thing. They kind of set it up to be a relationship. At least I felt like it. They had this kind of cute banner at the beginning of the movie. And they literally never took it anywhere. And I was just kind of like, I don't understand. Why would you no, start and something and not finish it? Yeah, but that's kind of a theme for this movie. There's a lot of things in this where they don't go anywhere or <sighs> characters are talking about people. Like, they don't introduce the Broadway dude until halfway through the movie. Like, the one that's coming to see the show. Yeah, that so was funny, don't... too, because he literally, they were like, we can't get him to go to something like this. And then he shows up, he stays, and, like, this show goes wrong, people. Like, really wrong. Like, they're literally... Yeah, but it goes wrong in the way that they're, I think they're trying to be funny with it, but it just comes off to me as stupid. No, but the critic would have, like, left, like, during that time. Uh, I would have no... left the second they marched out on stage, danced around wow. the kabuki makeup, like, trying to sing this show, where I'm like... I don't know. There's some stuff they do with the kabuki in this theater where I'm like, that doesn't really seem like kabuki. That seems more like the uh, stereotypical Chinese thing that people Mm. do rather than it being kabuki. I don't know. I don't know if that's their attempt to be like, isn't it funny? They don't understand what kabuki is, which maybe that's what it's supposed to be, but it, it doesn't come off strong enough for that to be the case. But yeah, they have the play goes wrong. You have, what was her name? Is it Liz? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the, the other girl who is vying for the lead that she comes up on stage and she's like, tied up where she's dressed up as the killer as they do this weird like what's the song they play oh yeah they start playing that as they like dance around the stage her and like the stage hand for i don't know like god it has to have been like it had to have been like 45 minutes 45 minutes like not for us but for the audience sitting there watching it and they're all laughing like it's the funniest thing i've ever seen i'm like no bro by like minute 10 i would have been like this is too much i don't know what kind of weird avant-garde theater this is but no we are done there was an ad lib during this part that killed me like because i'm like man that ad lib was really true to life the crowd was getting up because you know it looked like they were done right and then she came out covered in blood i think is when she came out (laughs) they start walking back to their seats and they're like oh it's not over (laughs) i was like (laughs) oops Do you know what I wonder about this movie? What happened to that angry kid in the crowd? Was he part of the production? I hope he's okay. 
Was he in the crowd that night? Was he back in his cabin? Was he angry? Was he angry? Was he even <laughs> angrier than he was before? Before the dance number of the shimmy shimmy left, shimmy shimmy right, clap clap happened? Who can say? I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll... That's the sequel I want for this movie. The angry kid <laughs> in the crowd. Oh my god. But that's Stage Fright 2014. Want to take any guesses how this did at the box office? Well, considering it was so good, I'm going to guess it made $25 million? <laughs> Okay, let me give some background on this. I cannot find how much this movie cost to make. I'm going to assume very low. I know it premiered at some film festivals, and then it had a very, very, very limited theatrical release oh, mm -hmm. before it was like sent straight to DVD. Okay, so $10 million? <laughs> As far as I can tell, when I'm talking like limited release in theaters, it might have been put in two theaters. Like, I can't speak for like the Canadian box office yeah. or anything. But what I found for the box office for this movie was $7,000.78. Oh, oh, that hurt my $7,078. Oh my God, that hurt my chest. That made me so sad for them. Oh my God. I, I can't speak because I know it played at a lot of film festivals before it was put into a couple theaters. So it might have made its money back just by that means. I don't know how well this sold on home video. I don't know. It's rough to say. All I can say is that this is the only like movie this director has done. He did direct a couple TV episodes of a couple things here and there. But I'm going to guess this movie didn't get much money back. That makes me sad. That's my assumption. That makes me sad for this movie. Then, especially if you look at some of the reviews for this movie, it ranges from mixed to very negative. Aww. But I don't know. This was like a weird movie where like the second I had to start doing research for it, I'm like, God damn it. There's nothing on this movie. What are we going to talk about? It's going to be me complaining about this movie for an hour. That's what it's going to be. I like this movie. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't like this movie. Like, I'm not going to say don't watch this movie by any means to anybody. There are some aspects of the movie. Like, I like some of the songs are okay. The singing's okay. But man, like within a week, I'm not going to remember anything about this movie other than I fucking hated the killer. He got on my nerves big time. Okay, so then how are we going to rate it? Like, what do we want to rate it by? Kabuki Killers. Uh, meatloaf. <laughs> meatloafs. That's what I want. <laughs> meatloafs. How many meatloaf? How many meatloafs out of five meatloafs? That sounds like a tongue twister. How many meatloafs out of five meatloafs do you meatloaf this meatloaf? Honestly? Okay, so I'm going to gauge this by if I would watch this again out of just, like, sheer pleasure. So, I'm going to give it a five because I really like this movie. I think it's weird. I just really, for some reason, connected with this movie. I feel like there are other movies I like that you don't necessarily like that mm -hmm. I love. And so, Is this your favorite movie you've seen in the podcast so far? I said that, but it it's not. Um, <laughs> no, it's not my favorite. I'm trying to think. What's um, your favorite you've seen on the podcast so far? Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Ooh, That's mm -hmm. literally my favorite. Mm -hmm. And then it's The Tale of Two Sisters. But this one is really good. I feel like compared to Lake Placid for me, this is welcome. You know, I really like this. So I have a feeling you're not going to give it a five. What do you give this movie? Oh boy. I'm going to give this movie... 1.5 no. meatloafs oh, out of 5 meatloafs. You're, you're mean. Oof. <laughs> this is, oof. 
by far the worst movie I've seen on, for the Why podcast. Why did this movie hurt For the you? podcast. It's not the worst movie I've seen. <laughs> but this is by far the worst movie we've seen for the podcast so far, in my opinion. Man, even Lake Placid is better? Lake Placid is better. I could sit there, I could watch Lake Placid five times in a day and be like, I am satisfied with this movie. Mm. This movie I could not watch. I like. Mm. I can go years from without watching this movie again and I will still be haunted by like, I fucking hate the killer in this movie so much. Oh my god. I love it. But that was Stage Fright 2014. We're checking our random number generator and next week's theme will be based on the book by dot dot dot. I will give one caveat for this. On our random number scale, one of the categories is Stephen King. So that's a clue for you right now. The movie we're going to watch, it's going to be based on a book, but it's not a Stephen King property. I don't read, so. (laughs) It shows. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) You all heard it. I got burned on live podcast. That was this week's episode of It Came from the Midwest, a horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. And Aaron. And we'd like you to to have have a safe safe drive drive home. home. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of It Came from the Midwest, a horror movie podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handle at ICFTM Podcast. It Came from the Midwest is written, edited, and produced by Andrew Halsey and Aaron Smith.